Gobble, gobble, Julian. Thoughts? Are you feeling thankful, Chev? I'm feeling thankful. Thankful we're getting this in before the holidays. You know, Julian works as hard here at Hex Drinkers. Has us recording the day before Turkey Day. But uh, we're yeah, here it's to bring, late. You, it's late bring too. you the content. It's after hours. It is after hours. Yeah, we're getting hours. this in so that we can rage Black Friday weekend. That's true. And by Black I have a lot Friday of things weekend, to buy, I mean like socks. Football and, and beer drinking weekend. Mm, that too. I was at I was at Target today, and uh, I'm not sure if your family does Christmas crackers, Julian. Um, but we've we've struggled. They're they're mostly a British thing. We've struggled to find Christmas crackers with like good prizes inside. Normally, you open them and it's like a a freaking uh, nail clipper and like a tiny little mirror and a deck of cards that's smaller than a fingernail. And I saw some new ones in Target, and I was like, oh boy, these might be amazing. And I looked at them, and I was trying to figure out what they were, and they were socks. There was about 30 different sets of, like, Christmas cracker openers where every single one just had socks in them. And that's why Thanksgiving is a superior holiday. Anyway, I'm also thankful that we are back for another episode of the Hex Drinkers House of Commons, your one-stop shop for all things competitive and at the common rarity. Gobble, gobble. Chev, one more thing that I'm thankful for in quotes we're back in spoiler season baby we got our final set of the year another freaking set coming through it is jumpstart in the year of our lord 2022 they're running it back Mm -hmm. chev would you would you just tell everyone what the heck jumpstart is because some people might not even know about this so so jumpstart originally came out in the early months of the pandemic in 2020 so i don't think demand was as high as wizards was looking for but essentially it takes all of the stress out of limited deck building. Um, each pack comes with 20 cards, uh, about like seven lands and 13 non-lands. And the idea is you can buy any two and smash them together um, and have a full 40-card limited deck. Each each one of these is a randomized theme. I think there's probably like 30 or 40 different deck lists. Some themes have multiple different deck lists. Things like Spirit, Monkey, Eldrazi, uh, Soldier, um, Blink... All those kind of, you know, like typical magic themes. You'll get a 20-card pack. You'll get a second 20-card pack. You smash them together, and then you have Blinking Eldrazi or uh, whatever. And they have a couple lands that, uh, the Thriving Lands, um, for Pauper fans who know those, how great those can be. Uh, they're in every pack as well to kind of smooth out the mana. But it's really like, if you like the low power of Limited, um, you can do this without having to go through a draft. And we always get a, a couple new cards with them as well. Yeah, notably a few kind of kind of nutty cards from the last one. I'm th- I'm looking at like things like Muxus. Yeah, uh, I don't know if we're gonna have anything that's as uh, warping to eternal formats as those, but right there are notably yeah a bunch of new uncommons and commons that we get to talk about. <laughs> what a coincidence! <laughs> um, what do you want to talk about first? Do you want to talk about our new commons, our new potential commanders? Obviously, we are going to be dismissing a majority of these, but there are some that might have some implications yeah. in competitive form. And we do we do have to be uh, to careful about what we dismiss out of hand, knowing that uh, Nate Diggity over in the TryHard server will <laughs> take it as a challenge, as they did with uh, Vine Mare um, just recently. So these are obviously undisputed uh, truths coming from us. If you can find a way to make one that we don't think is competitive, competitive, that's super cool, and we'll talk about it on the podcast. It's uh, it's really cool to uh, wake up to a, a a ping, right? And you it you know on the iPhone it only gives you like a little bit of the message, and it was from from Clay in the TryHard server that just said like, "What have you done?" <laughs> and I was like, "Oh goodness, what is going on?" But I really know it was just all the uh, all the genius brewers in that channel were like, 
You say that Vinemere is not competitive. Hmm? <laughs> Challenge accepted. But uh, really, really, we're just doing the community a favor here because we're, we're just prompting the greatest minds to continue to expand exactly. the collective horizons. Everyone knows CPDH grows out of spite with every set. That, that has to be it. That has to be it. Well, anyway, let's talk about some of these new commanders, things that might be creating new archetypes, new decks, etc. We have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 new uncommons, a uh, majority of which are uh, not doing anything special. But uh, do you want to shout out some that you might think have some potential? Yeah, so I, I it might be 12 or 13. Um, I think one, one last list snuck in. Uh, after we we kind of put our, our stuff together, I think what hinders a set like Jumpstart uh, from having competitive commanders, like all these are going to be great for PDH. You'll probably see 90% of these in the PALS meta. But what hinders Jumpstart from giving good CPDH commanders is, kind of like I mentioned before, all these lists are monocolor. That kind of hinders a lot of these. But I think there's two that I think are really interesting. One, I'm not so sure about its... Uh, competitive ability, but I wanted to give a shout out because Papa Popper dropped some sweet tech for it on Twitter, and that would be the Conductor of Cacophony, a four mana uh, black demon, two one ETBs with two one one counters on it, and then pay a black, remove a one one counter from Conductor of Cacophony. It deals one damage to each other creature and each player. So this is kind of in the vein of Fertilid and those those other uh, uncommons that you can remove 1-1 one, one counters from. Notably, you're also in black, so you have the basic tech of, you know, if it would die, bounce it back with two more counters, start pinging everyone again. But what Papa Popper was quick to point out is things like Eternal Thirst and Sadistic Glee that allow you to generate 1-1 one, one counters in black, which black is not really known for. And, of course, the, the All-Star that we're seeing more and more recently um, with a lot of lists and has been overlooked for so long, it's really good to see a resurgence, Opal Palace, of course... Tapping for one of a color of your commander and then giving 1-1 one, one counters to your commander for each time they've been cast. So you get Conductor of Cacophony a few times in the yard or to your hand or whatever. And you're dropping this with like five or six counters on it. Probably wiping the board um, turn after play or if you have the mana uh, just doing it then and dealing six to all your opponents. So this definitely has some spice to it. But I do wonder if Mono Black can compete uh, with everything else that's going on. Yeah, this is... Um, now that you're kind of explaining some of these tech pieces I'm, I'm getting a little bit more hot on this card i mean it's uh let's be generous and say sort of like a, a pestilence in the command zone almost especially if you can get uh some of these things that you allow you right. to trigger it more than a couple times in a turn um whether that's just re-getting it back with um all our feign death effects or if we just can somehow put a bunch of a uh, bunch of counters on it uh, we also have forge of heroes yep. which um yep is a great way to put an additional counter um, and this is really giving me just because uh, I not notably we haven't seen your Hepatra deck in a while in our pod <laughs> on our EDH pod. Yeah. Um, this is kind of giving me almost like Carnifex Demon vibes, Ooh, where Carnifex Demon comes right. in with two minus ones, and then you can kind of blanket the field. Something like a PDH, your average creature size is maybe a little smaller. Um, dealing one damage might as well be a minus one minus one counter because you're probably going to wipe mm -hmm. most of the board with that. So. That's super interesting, and obviously, if I was going to build a mono-colored commander, I would want to do it in black. It would have to be mono-black or mono-blue. Um, black, of course, gives you removal versus the counter magic. I also really like, it's a really cool ability, 
and it's not marred by the design choice we've seen recently where it would say like activate as a sorcery so i'm imagining the the ultimate play you kind of swing at the person with the biggest board when conductor of cacophony is big enough with enough one one counters you get in for damage and then you're able to remove those one one counters um afterward and notably um the conductor does not have any form of evasion so being able to kind of remove all the goods can potentially clear the way for attackers yeah also there are things that care about having die triggers this is each other creature so that will remove your stuff too you have to be careful about that but there are things that care about dying yeah 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 i'm actually uh i'm I'm getting more warm on the conductor i I would like to see uh what it can uh what can we put up to (laughs) I was going to say, I actually have a, a, a mono-black uh, creature that I think Ooh. has some promise. I'm not super, super hot on it, but I, I think it, we would be remiss to not mention it. Mm-hmm. It's a skull slither worm. First of all, art is horrifyingly disgusting, uh, which is great. Yeah. Also, given the flavor text, as a larva, they burrow into a host's brain to feed upon, growing until they're large enough to burst free and seek out larger prey. So, like, even the size of this, like, that is that is going on in your noodle. It reminds me a lot of the uh, brain maggot alternate art. Which is no, I think one of the most Ooh, heinous ones yeah. in uh, <laughs> Magic. But this thing being like yeah, a that parasite one. that's sneaking into people's heads, I, I love on a a flavor level, but it truly is horrifying. Yeah, it's it's kind of nasty. Uh, this is going to be a three and a black for a worm, a three three. Uh, when it enters, each opponent discards a card for each opponent who can't put two one one counters on this. Mm-hmm. So uh, theoretically, if your opponents are hellbent. Um, this can get real big, but uh, like you're saying, our a vernacular of black flicker, this plus um, any sort of sack outlet, feign death effect, etc. Yeah. Uh, I feel like we can quickly uh, empty our opponent's hands, plus there's all sorts of burglar rats, mm-hmm. uh, virus beetles that can come through and we can utilize as well. And I really think that uh, your opponents have no resources tribal could be a viable way to... Uh, make things happen, especially since, once again, we're in mono black. Tons of ways to recur our value right. anyway, um, and tons of ways to draw into new value. Um, so if we just grind the game down to an absolute standstill, doesn't matter that Skull Slither's only a 3-3, and maybe we have a couple 1-1s or 2-2s on the field. Uh, we can just kind of keep things on lock and get in for lethal over the course of several turns. Yeah, I think <laughs> discard is the kind of thing that's been lurking in the background of CPDH for a while, especially with with mono black decks. And I think there's something that would be really cool if we could see that working. I I think we could test Skull Slither's uh, viability by just slapping it on the head of a a general Gary deck, because I think that is what you're going to be kind of considering as, okay, I'm playing mono black. Skull Slither Worm hits all opponents a particular way. Is it more efficient or does it get me where I need to go faster than Gary? Even though... I understand that you know you, you've got a different bit game plan when the idea is either uh, starve your opponents of resources or have a really big <laughs> brain worm. Um, I think they would be kind of similar shells in terms of how you're affecting all your opponents and can you reliably get your opponents with empty hands to get those two, one one counters each, uh, or are we just going to see like a consistent discard the two or three times you play Skulls of the Worm in a game? Uh, I'm glad it is an ETB though, so we do have the flicker package and we can do all that. Uh, but I, I'm I'm a little bit on the fence. But again, I I really want to see a list for it. Yeah, something that I I am not uh, sure of is if we have any sort of um, uh, value generators for when our opponents discard. Obviously, at like rare and mythic, we have waste not and tiny bones, which also was another jumpstart card actually. Yeah. Um, but uh, I don't know if we have any of those things at common, so I'll have to do some digging. But I think Skull Slither Worm um, 
could could potentially reach some sort of viability. Um, there's an Araumi deck that has some similar resource denial, hand denial um, packages built into it. It's just can we stretch that in a single color out to an entire deck? So I'm gonna I'm gonna tinker with this and we'll we'll see what. Yeah, happens. from a from a quick search search, I think most of the common effects are either like Okabe Gang Shinobi or Kiba Gang Shinobi uh, when a creature deals damage, opponent discards, or when you discard, because that was a theme of Amonkhet. So for things like Grizzly Survivor and Horror of the Broken Lands, it's based on you discarding. But there are very few opponents discard and you get to do something cool. Ah, gotcha. Okay. What else you got, Jeff? My second one, um, this one has, has definitely gotten a little bit, generated a little bit more... Um, talking than than the others i think the high mana cost might make this uh, a little bit more difficult but magnanimous magistrate six mana three four etbs with five reprieve counters on it whenever another non-token creature you control dies if its mana value was one or greater you may remove that many reprieve counters from magnanimous magistrate if you do return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control so clearly we're thinking blink strategies. We can blink the commander to get those uh, counters back to recur more creatures. Um, and it really comes down to can we viably have enough creatures that are worth uh, looping and have enough sack outlets to be able to kind of recur those loops. So notably we have a bunch of the new uh, common white dorks that draw cards. Um, that's what I can see here as something that can kind of draw you enough stuff. But I think I'm struggling to figure out what the end of this deck would be like cool we can get back some mono white um creatures and maybe uh other small things but i don't know after that what do we do uh so either it's like grind out our opponents try and blink our resources but i don't know how to take it there and that's where kind of mono white is hindered unless your commander is like super powerful which magnanimous magistrate has a really cool ability but i don't know if that that pushes them into the competitive level yeah i i like I like the thought process you're going down. I think the biggest thing for me that hinders it is that this costs six mana. Mm -hmm. If this costs like four mana, I would be all on board. Right, you're probably not casting this twice. So you've got to make sure it sticks and uh, plays around, which is not something you really want to rely on. Especially when, I think, what's what's the average turn clock down to on uh, CPDH? I think it's 10 turns. So you're in mono white. Maybe you have a tutor, but you're playing this and then you only have a few turns left to turn the game around. Yeah, I, I really like what's going on here. I just, I really think the the mono white, which certainly has been propped up recently mm-hmm. for sure, but it's still it's still not anywhere near a mono blue or a mono yeah. black. Um, and and the six mana, the six mana is really so much. Obviously, we have some more expensive commanders in the format, but if we really want to be just like kind of dirtling like this, I really think we need to bring that yeah. uh, that mana cost down. So I once again, I'm ready to be proven wrong. As, <laughs> as soon as someone proves me wrong, I will play the hell out of this yeah. deck because it's going to be a crazy fun deck. I, but until then, I've got I'll, a, a, a quick shout out. I want to do real quick. Um, there's been a submission to the database for illuminator virtuoso from um, streets of new Capenna as a mono white deck. And this one actually, Without getting too far afield, this one has some potential, and it's given me a lot of hope for Mono White in future, so I'm trying to evaluate a little more fairly, where first I might just be like, no, there's not support. Uh, For those of you who are unfamiliar, Illuminator Virtuoso is a 2-mana 1-1 with double strike, and whenever it becomes the target of a spell you control, it connives. So you've got card advantage, you have double strike, and this list plays 29 versions of protection. Whether, you know, giving it protection, bouncing it, whatever, each time getting you a new card, growing it, Super cool list. 
Mono White might have a chance. We've been working with the uh, the Brewer Brew Bear to to really get it up there. It's very fast. So Mono White is not down and out as much as it used to be, but it might be for Magnanimous Magistrate at six mana. <laughs> well, hopefully it's also not down and out for my pick, uh, which is actually kind of kind of similar to a Luminary Magistrate. Um, I actually think Angelic Cub has mm. has some real potential. Uh, one and a white for a 1-1 Cat Angel. Whenever it becomes the target of a spell or ability for the first time each turn, put a 1-1 counter on it. Mm-hmm. So pseudo-heroic. It's uh, it's only once per turn, but obviously we have instant speed ways to trigger this on our opponent's turn. And then as long as Angelic Cub has three or more 1-1 counters on it, uh, not necessarily from that ability, just in general, uh, it also has flying. Uh, this just seems uh, okay. so aggressive. Like you said, there's so many ways to grant protection to keep this around and also obviously target it um plus there are not they're not as good as green and red uh pump spells but there are pump spells in white um there's things that give double strike there are obviously auras which count as well and this also triggers off abilities i'm trying to think if there's any sort of like would equip would equip do it equip is an ability yeah actually yeah that would that would be pretty cool yeah, so between equipment, auras, as well as uh, a ton of protection spells and potentially some pump spells, mm-hmm. um, I really think that maybe you could, maybe we can finally do a mono white, like really aggressive Voltron strategy, similar to some of the the Boros and Red uh, strategies that we've seen uh, creeping up. So yeah, I think Angelic Cub once again. I don't. It's uh, I don't think any of the ones that we've talked about today have been slam dunks, mm-hmm. but I really do think that there is potential for them. Um, on the fringes, or especially if a really, really talented brewer kind of gets their uh, yeah. gets their paws on them. Yeah, so. I, I honestly think, uh, funnily enough, Angelic Cup will, Angelic Cub will be one to one against Illuminator Virtuoso, uh, given similar stats. And then you're you're trading uh, Double Strike for going to get flying relatively easily. So it's built in evasion versus that Double Strike. I think Virtuoso might have it in terms of how often white through auras or instants can grant flying. So you can get the flying much easier than you can double strike at com at uh, common. Because double strike at common is, I think there might be one card or two cards in red that give it as an instant, but not permanently. Um, stalling for time. So Julian can look it up. But I think it, it's going to be a, a, a toss between the two. My money's on Virtuoso. Um, also the Angelic Cub art terrifies me like we're, we're looking at almost it's a, weirdly unsettling an innistrad angel with four wings with like the red tips of of avison and then with i guess a cat head it reminds me more of a bear but either way i think i would run screaming if this thing was like descending from the heavens in front of me the head is a little like disproportionately large mm-hmm. as well um yeah, you know what it is. Maybe you get maybe you get your opponents just on the fact that like they don't want to look at your card, so they don't read it or anything. Yeah, that's um, true. But, you got to consider the political. <laughs> um, just to go, those are the ones that we think have potential here. Uh, just to go over some of the other ones that we decided weren't uh, weren't going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, Colborn Entity, Biblioplex Kraken, uh, Primeval Heralds, Disciple of Perdition. Yeah, just not not doing enough. And like you said, the the monocolor is just not going to make it happen. Yeah, agreed. That is the uncommons. Let's let's delve into the commons. Um, Chev, did we get any commons that were downshifted? I believe we have one, and it's it's a pretty potent one. It's Ghoul's Feast, one in a black for an instant. Target creature gets plus X plus O until end of turn, where X is the number of creature cards in your graveyard. I, green has similar effects for creatures on the battlefield, um, and those haven't really seen much play. But in black, where you have things like Night Vale Predator that could be swinging in the air or... Um, any any creature deck that's in these colors, 
or even something like Sir Conrad that's going to have a, a full graveyard, being able to utilize that in a different way for a surprise punch to the <laughs> to the gut is going to come in pretty handy. I think this is a very potent downshift, all things considered. Hmm. I don't think I'm as high on it as you are. I'm not huge on combat tricks, even in a format like uh, like CPDH. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, I think this definitely provides a new angle. And I, I think the decks that this is going to see play in are definitely decks that people won't expect a sudden burst of an extra five or six damage or right. something. Yeah, I think that's the, the only downshift we have. But we did get a ton, or maybe not a ton, maybe a, a gentle slew of uh, new commons. Well, I'm counting 12 that we have on our list. So if there's any more... It's a ton. Fuck them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, first up, let's talk Suspicious Shambler. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is three and a black for a 4-2 zombie. Relevant creature type. Uh, you can go four black, black, exile it from your graveyard, create two 2-2 two, two black zombie creature tokens. Activate this only as a sorcery. Um, I'm kind of liking this and maybe something like a Sir Conrad. Obviously, you can just play this down. Mm-hmm. It'll trade with a lot of things. That'll trigger Sir Conrad. Also... If we're self-milling, this going to the grave will trigger, and then later on we can exile it from our grave, which will trigger Sir Conrad again, get two more tokens, which will, once again, trigger Sir Conrad when they die. So, uh, yeah, this just might be just enough kind of value across all its facets moving through all the zones that I could see it seeing some play in, especially in any sort of deck that's going to do a little bit of milling. Yeah, I think Tormod might also be a a good home for this, where, of course, when it leaves the graveyard um, with that activated ability, you're going to be making three zombies for six, which puts it kind of on rate. It's a little slow if you were trying to use this for Edict Protection, if you have a more Voltron build, but things that really care about cards entering and leaving the graveyard, um, this might have a home for. Still a little costly for that that fun piece of tech. There are, like, Rotten Reunion. Um, I think I would run over this at any given time, but I, I think this is a nice piece to have. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, unlike Ossuary Rats, this card is uh, this card is no good. Uh, yeah, we, we're running into that 6-mana 3-2. Um, ETB deal X damage to our creature or Planeswalker and opponent controls where X is the number of creature cards in your graveyard. Kind of seems like a, a red effect stapled onto a black creature. This is just not what you want to be doing with 6-mana. You, you could just murder something instead. Yeah, I, I see the um, number of creature cards in graveyard like sub theme here that they're trying mm-hmm. to go. But why why would I play this for six mana when I have any number of amazing removal spells for one to three mana? Yeah, um, or even free if we're talking snuff out. So yeah, I'm, I'm not trying to play Osprey Rats anytime soon. Uh, jumping off that, we have another one that um, I don't think it's going to be competitive. Uh, Goblin Researcher, four mana, three three. ETB, exile the top card of your library. During any turn you attacked with Goblin Researcher, you may play that card. Card advantage, yes, but at four mana, red just has better options. Um, you've got the the classics like Faithless Looting, or you have the newer tech like Thrill of Possibility. Um, and what's the what's the red two mana, exile the top two? Yeah, Reckless Impulse. Reckless They're impulse. way yeah. better options for um, impulse, impulse draw in red. Yeah. I don't need a, an expensive body stapled to it. Which, by the way, I think is hilarious because if you did decide to do this, if you did decide to play this card, if it gets killed, you can't you can't ever play that card. It's just gone. Because you have to have attacked with this. Right, uh, and you I have to wait is, a turn. I think is hilarious. Because it, it exiles, but they have to be able to attack. So that it's like an extra extra little thing on there. Okay, well if you're not if you're not interested in that sort of red card draw, can I interest you in the plundering predator, which is a four or red for a dragon three three flyer? When it enters, you may discard a card if you do draw a card. <sighs> no, you can't. Um, glad we have it. I didn't think so, but it, I had to ask. This is the kind of thing that's going to go immediately to the bulk binder, even with PDH having a. I, so I know there's that. Um, I think it's. 
a blue or red. There's a few Baldur's Gate commanders that care about dragons. So maybe having another common dragon can help those archetypes. And while that's going to be really good for PDH, again, I don't think this is competitive. Azra, potentially. could like Because you're discarding with... a card, you maybe get some madness. But that deck is so tuned that a, a five mana to get one of those yeah. effects, I just don't think is worth it. I don't know. The, all these ones that are uh, they're expensive and they're entering and they're giving me potentially one card for a lackluster body, I'm just really not into. Mm-hmm. Jeff, let me, let, me, let me hit you with one more. Let me see how you feel about this one before I think we start getting to the real heaters. Uh, Giant Ladybug, tuna green, insect, got reach. It's a 4-1, aggressively statted. Uh, when it enters, you can search your library for a basic land card. You reveal it. And you put that card on top of your library. How you how you feeling about this one? Oh, I was I was so excited reading through it. Like I honestly forgot what was common and what wasn't with ramp. But this is bad. Um, I know I would make the mistake looking at this card. Like oh cool, a tutor on a creature in green. It's a four one with reach, which might be um, a good thing to that remember. blocks crackling Drake. That blocks track crackling Drake. <laughs> that blocks crackling Drake. Uh, but putting it on top of your library just feels. Not so great when we have Springbloom Druid, we have Farhaven Elf, we even have Skittering Surveyor, which for the same mana cost, tutors it to hand, at least. So, Giant Ladybug, unless your meta has a lot of four toughness flying creatures, this should probably sit it out. We've got all the chaff out of the way, let's talk about some heaters. Yeah, give me something good, give me something good here. Uh, So this is one that that you pointed out, so Merfolk Pupil. Clearly, Talarian uh, Community College vibes. We have a two-mana Merfolk, 1-1. One, one. Uh, when it ETBs, draw a card, then discard, and then tap two to exile from your graveyard, draw a card, and discard a card. Notably, is not activate only at sorcery speed, so you can do this whenever you want um, from the graveyard. So Tormod and uh, Ramirez de Pietro probably care. Also, just on a, a nice little body, card draw for two-mana is relatively good and can fuel the graveyard for things like crackling drake or sailor's bane this is a a good little piece of tech yeah for sure i think the the double looting is um huge uh edict protection like you said sailor's bane i think this is huge because we're filling things in the graveyard uh, or crackling drake uh yeah i think this is uh i definitely think this is going to see some play um i definitely prefer this over something like a um auger of bolus which i know sees play in a lot of those it's just kind of a a body so I'm also huge on Chains of Custody, uh, two and a white for an aura. You enchant creature you control, but when this enters the battlefield, exile target non-land permanent and opponent controls until Chains of Custody enter- leaves the battlefield. Okay. Also, the enchanted creature, because remember, you have to enchant your own creature with this, uh, has ward two. So this is a combo of a protection aura as well as an oblivion ring effect. I love everything about this. Um, it's kind of like Chain to the Mountain, but but at the common rarity. Uh I think this is really cool, probably for specifically Seder Enchanter, uh, or if we get another Enchanter-style deck, but an O-Ring effect that can also give your creature protection, because that is one of the main things you have to worry about when you're caring so much about a Voltron-style build. Yes, white has a bunch of other just protection from X colors, but this being able to get rid of a threat and give Ward 2 is, is a very potent combination. I also, I think the art is explaining what's kind of going on. It's you're you're grabbing an opponent's creature and just sticking it to your back. A little bit weird, but uh, we'll we'll take any sort of joint removal. So partic- particularly in Seder Enchanter, this is three mana, exile, non-land permanent, the biggest threat on the battlefield, and also make your creature harder to deal with. It's a slam dunk. This card is an auto-include, I think, even though we have started to hit that uh critical mass on these style of effects i I think that this is one that 
95% of white decks are going to include. Mm-hmm. I've got a bit of a, um, a... I'm not sure if this has it in it, so maybe we can discuss a little bit, but Spectral Huntcaller. Five mana, four, four, Wolf Spirit. Pay six. Creatures you control get plus one, plus one, and trample until end of turn. So something we've talked about recently is seeing more Anthem effects at Common. Because largely there are very few overrun or you know crater hoof behemoth style things that can let a green deck with a large board presence kind of go over the top so six mana to give one one and trample is a bit expensive uh but that trample maybe has ability or this is another sink for uh infinite mana you can make something you know infinite size with trample maybe this is a finisher for gruel gruel style decks although we don't have a lot of those on the db currently I'm not sure, but I think having the ability to give trample to all of your creatures, maybe this enables a token-like strategy in future? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, If we have infinite mana, obviously we can make things infinitely big. We need th- three creatures that could attack to theoretically mm-hmm. uh, defeat each of our opponents. Uh, but if we're making infinite mana in a deck that has green, we're probably blue-green. We can probably just draw mill, our whole yeah. deck or mill our opponents out. It's hard step. to say. Yeah. I, I like I, I like the idea of this being like kind of a top end extra buff sort of thing in like you said like a gruel kind of mid rangey or aggro list. Um, I just six mana is a lot. Five mana four four is not. I feel like yeah. this is just not good enough in every potential way. I, I would like to see if it if it gets played. I would like to see that. But yeah. uh, I think you chop it's, like it's, it's on the mana edge. off each it's on of the, the edge things. Make it cost less. Make the ability cost less. This is a red herring. You look at it, you think this will give you what you want, but for six mana, you can play a couple more bodies that are going to be infinitely more impactful than the potential to activate this once. Is Creeping Bloodsucker a red herring, Jeff? Uh, No, Creeping Bloodsucker is the bee's knees, as it is, Julian. Um, Two mana, one, two, vampire. At the beginning of your upkeep, Creeping Bloodsucker deals one damage to each opponent. You gain life equal to damage dealt this way. That is not something we've seen in a while. This is the effect of Extort. This is the effect of um, Gary. This is a line of text that we haven't seen a lot recently because of multiplayer games. There, It's now, you know, deal damage and then gain that much life. Very rarely do you get the ability to deal damage to all of your opponents and gain life equal to damage dealt. And my mind instantly went to Torwauki, the younger, because we've been seeing that in basically every style of gameplay that Hex Triggers does, whether it be budget, PDH, this is going to deal six damage on upkeep and gain you six life minimum. And anything else in red that's like a damage increaser or something like that, this is just really, really cool. And instantly slots into any sort of pinging deck that I can think of. Yeah, I'm definitely going to put this in my uh, my Tor Wauki list in, in various iterations. Uh, I've definitely fallen in love with that commander. Um, another thing that I was thinking of is obviously the damage is nice. This comes down early. I don't think anyone's going to want to, like, waste a removal spell on this. It's just a two-mana one-two. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, if you have any way to amplify that damage, obviously it's great. Uh, but I was actually thinking in something like a life gain deck, this could be interesting as well. Um, Ooh. Came to mind off the top of my head. Uh, Indulging Patrician is one, a white and a black. Uh, it's from M21. Uh, it's a Vampire Noble flying 1-4 lifelinker. But it says, at the beginning of your end step, if you gained three or more life this turn, which you would from mm-hmm. a single Indulging Patrician trigger, um, each opponent loses three life. 
Uh, I'm wondering if okay. we could maybe make a sort of drain gain style list that uh, that's not Viscopa Guildmage. Obviously, that's a bit more combo focused, um, but something like that would be uh, very interesting to me. Yeah, that would be super cool. Um, maybe that's how we get Brad in is if we uh, tell him to play a, a drain gain list. Yeah, or uh, or the inevitable champion of the dunes list. I have to start. Uh, I have to get back on that. <laughs> Speaking of uh, cards that Brad might want to run. Infernal Idol, Julian. Black is really eating in this uh in this in this set. Infernal Idol is three mana for an artifact. Uh, you can tap it to add black, and then you can also pay one black black, tap it and sack it to draw two and lose two. Now, both of these effects separately are not that remarkable. Obviously, black has plenty draw two lose twos. Um, mo a lot of them will cost uh you know two black or even just black black if we're looking at something like sign in blood um and a three mana mana rock that only taps for one color isn't that remarkable as well but in any deck i think that is two colors with black in it or even a mono black deck i feel like this is just an auto include it ramps you and then if you really need to you can cash it in for those vital cards it's a uh, it's not pretty or flashy by any means but i think that this is a card that um a lot of those sort of decks are going to be adopting it's an engine piece for sure and while we are we have greatly uh, improved the engine pieces of PDH. Having something like draw two at instant speed is incredibly helpful. Yes, things like Commander Sphere, you know, you can tap it for mana, then sack it to draw that one card. But being able to draw two whenever you need uh, on a turn that you haven't played a removal spell is super, super cool. And I think we're going to see this trickling into a lot of decks. Like this isn't going to make or break a given strategy, but this can help with the... Um, reliability of draw in in decks that don't have access to blue yeah i think that's actually a good point like you said Shiv. this can be obviously activated at instant speed and we're getting more of those but still a vast majority of our our draw power in black is going to be at sorcery speed so yeah, yeah i like that a lot um a card that i wanted to kind of bring up as just a uh, a thought experiment and hopefully our, our listeners will will chime in and stuff a dutiful replicator is a new artifact creature assembly worker we got it's three mana for a three two um, when it enters, you can pay one generic, and when you do create a token, that's a copy of target token you control, not named Dutiful Replicator. Um, what is the best token that we can make? Like, what what are we doing here? Is there maybe, like, one of the... Um, so, Tristani Summoner is an uncommon. We could double up on our uh, green rhino creature token. Um, we could double up on... Are there any X creature tokens at common? Okay, so I, I don't know exactly what... Uh, what sort of token we might make other than the Tristani Summoner's tokens. Um, but there's got to be something. There's got to be something that we can do in some sort of token-based deck uh, where this is just doubling up. Um, for, you know, at least it's... Uh, I guess if you want to think about it, this could be four mana, right? Three plus the one for uh, two bodies, probably like six, five, or uh, five, four worth of stats if you're copying like a, a two-two bear or a two-two zombie or something. I, I would like to see what the best token we can copy here is and if it's worth it. Probably not, but... So I've got a I've got a bit of a hot take. It doesn't specify creature. Correct. Create a token that's a copy. I think the best thing you can do is probably make a treasure in an artifact deck. You have an artifact hitting the battlefield with Dutiful Replicator, and you'll have another treasure hitting the battlefield, so you can get that additional mana for later. Maybe even a Power Stone, um, if, if Power Stone decks kind of come out, like that new Urza. I... I don't mm. think there's enough good creature tokens that we can be generating. I think this is good for, I'm going to get another mana, I'm going to get some sort of rock, a blood, a clue, 
whatever I'm looking for at that time, I think it's better to build those game pieces up than it might be to make another 1-1 one, one elf or a 1-1 one, one gob or a 2-2 two, two zombie. If only we had Bloodforged Battleaxe at a <laughs> common. Uh, I think that's a rare, right? I think it's a rare. Yeah, that's a rare. Dang, that would have been sick. Oh, that's a card I got to include in some of my decks now. All right, after that tangent, Chev, bring me back. What's uh, what's our what's our next card? I think our final card of the night. Uh, this is one that that you were particularly interested in. Soul Read, four mana instant. Choose one. Counter target spell unless its controller pays four, or draw two cards. These are both things you like to do, Julian. I do like both of these individually. I I would pay. Three and a blue for instant speed, draw two cards. Normally there would be some other advantage tacked on. Hieroglyphic Illumination has mm-hmm. cycling. Um, there's another one I believe that has uh, Scry 2. I forget which one it is. But but adding the ability to counter target spell unless the controller pays four, which usually is going to counter a spell, I would say. Yeah. That's that's enough where usually we're, we're countering. I think this will be a niche card in some decks, some blue-based decks that have a bit more mana, maybe green-blue decks, um, or maybe just a larger red-blue decks. Not the most efficient option, but once again, modality is super huge. Yeah. I'm super huge on it. So I think that this can definitely see play. I, I struggle with that a little bit. I'm thinking, you know, if I have four mana, I can probably play two counter spells with that kind of mana. Uh, and if if I'm in a green-blue deck, yes, the draw might be useful, but I'm most likely going to be countering and I have other things I'm looking for. I don't know if instant draw two is going to be useful or people are going to misread it too many times. Not misread it, but misplay and just assume to always keep it because you never know when you might need a counter. And instead of being a two-mana counter that you're holding on to, this is a four-mana counter. So I think there's there's a potential of misplay here and it being a little expensive and cost prohibitive. I don't know if I would I would be running this. I think that's fair. Yeah, I definitely think this is going to be something that's on the fringes. I'll probably test it out. Anytime you give me an option, you give me that modality, I have to at least look at it. Uh, I think that's all the new cards. Did we miss anything, Chev? Anything else you want to add about what we've discussed so far? I think that's all the ones we know of. We might be missing one or two, but I don't think they're anything uh, special. Um, <laughs> with the, if they are, we'll hear about it or we'll comment on Twitter. Exactly, yeah. We, we've said all the things we need to say about the cards from Jumpstart 2022. I love Jumpstart as a product because I definitely struggle with uh, draft. I hold my own in sealed. I struggle with draft, as I'm sure many people do, in like reading your opponents, knowing what to pull, et cetera, et cetera. And the idea of just being able to play with low-level stuff, just grab two 20-card packs, smash them together, is super cool. And the fact that we get a couple, a few pieces here is just gravy. So, honestly, I think this set is a slam dunk for what I want to be doing in the Christmas season, which is drinking eggnog, spiked or not, and playing some low-level magic. Sounds like we might doing, be doing some of this in the in the near future then. <laughs> when does this set drop again, Chef? Can you remind me, but also the audience? Uh, it drops December 2nd. Oh, so pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is very soon. And the I believe the release promo is that new monkey legend uh, that makes banana tokens. Post banana, get banana. Indeed. That's a little joke for the computer scientists out there. Yes, precisely. Of which I am not one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we've covered we've covered some cards. Uh, we got to go back to to what we're known for. Julian, do you have a deck of the week? I do have a deck of the week. It's my turn. And Chev, it's only right that since many moons ago you brought Dusk Mantle Guildmage, <laughs> I bring a little something of my own. This is almost a two parter because this is the Sailor's Bane list. Which, uh, to be fair. Primarily, Papa Popper did the work on this, but it was an extension of the Cryptic Serpent list that I made so long ago and kind of uh, laid the groundwork, and then he really took the uh, 
the tuning to the next level. He when took he a better Sailor's creature Bane. and made a better deck. When Sailor's Bane came out, uh, there was some discussion, and he and he and I kind of talked about some of the changes that would be made, and then he kind of just uh, took the reins from there and made uh, honestly an incredible deck. I love this. I'm gonna gush about it for a little bit because it's partly my brainchild. My name technically is on the Moxfield deck list, so <laughs> suck it. Um, but uh, but yeah, this is a this is a sick list. So let's let's talk about Sailor's Bane, right? Seven and two blue. A dragon turtle. First of all, creature type already amazing. Uh, seven seven. So big as at all heck. Uh, ward four. So basically untargetable. Basically hexproof. And this spell costs one generic less for each card you own in exile and in your graveyard. That's an instant sorcery or a card that has adventure. So we are uh, bigger than cryptic serpent. Uh, we have a larger cost reduction than cryptic serpent, and we have ward four on top. Um, really. I, I said it when this came when this was a preview, but I was like, "There's there's no respect for Cryptic Serpent, but yes, this is this is the superior option." So, uh, happy to convert to the Sailor's Bane. Uh, what's the game plan of this deck? Uh, we're punching hard, similar to Cryptic Serpent, being able to basically two shot kill people. Sixteen commander damage. This is a seven seven. Cryptic Serpent was a six five. Being able to two shot commander damage people in a color where we can easily give evasion as well as being able to filter through our deck so quickly and either loot or just play a bunch of instants and stuff um, to make it so that we're all only ever paying two or three maximum for our uh, for our commander is kind of the name of the game for this deck. Um, obviously, being able to now count cards that have adventures as well as cards that are in exile gives this a leg up on Cryptic Serpent because now we can play things like Treasure Cruise and delve things away. Um, I don't believe we're playing... Oh, we are playing Deep Analysis here, which uh, any flashback card, right, that exiles itself, we're able to get a mana boost off of. We're in blue, obviously, so our main form of rule is going to be all the counter spells. Uh, we're running 44 instants and 19 sorceries here, so we have... Uh, <laughs> I would say a critical mass of uh, all the things that we we need to tons of just cheap draw, uh, tons of counter spells. I didn't count the counter spells, but I want to say we have like twenty some counter spells, uh, and then also yeah, all sorts of uh, draw spells as well. Gush, hieroglyphic illumination, uh, a bit of bounce into the royal obviously is a uh, great. Also draws us a card, and then a ton of protection. Even though we do have ward four, if people do want to come at us, uh, we have things like Mizium skin, dispersal shield as well. So. Tons of ways to protect, even though we do have uh, that ward for as well. And then a few uh, cheeky enchantments just to make sure that we can two, two hit kill. Since we're now a 7-7, seven, seven, we only need uh, a one toughness buff. So things like Arcane Flight, which uh, is just a single blue to give plus one, plus one, and have, have flying. As well as um, Cartouche of Knowledge, one and a blue, and ETB's draw card, as well as plus one, plus one, in flying. And now all of a sudden, Sailor Bane, Sailor's Bane is going to be a two hit kill. Um, also, Spectral Flight and, Cart and uh, One with the Wind are both two mana enchantments that uh, enchant and give plus two plus two and have flying. Those are both uh, inclusions from the original Cryptic Serpents list. We're only running three other creatures in this list, uh, other than Sailor's Bane. Can be a little worrisome, just because uh, for Voltron decks, obviously, Edicts yep. are uh, very rough. We've got an Augur of Bolas, a Talarian Terror, which is just budget Sailor's Bane. Um, <laughs> As well as a Merfolk Secret Keeper, uh, one mana for an 0-4, obviously this can block, but also it has Adventure, Adventure Deeper. Target player put the top four cards of their library into their graveyard. That's going to be us. This is essentially going to be a... Uh, this could yeah. theoretically be a five mana reduction, right? Because we have four in the grave, and now this is going to be in the Adventure Zone. Um, that's huge. There is uh, notably some more, um, a bit more self-mill in this list. Things like Strategic Planning and the like but uh but yeah to make up for the fact that we only have these three other creatures we have a few cards that actually make tokens 
Notably, Hard Evidence is a one-mana sorcery that investigates and makes an O3 blue crab creature token, uh, which is, you know, that's fun. Um, as well as Serpentine Curve, three and a blue, create a fractal equal to the number of uh, instants and sorceries you own Ooh. in exile and in your graveyard. So this this can actually just be its own kind of threat. I feel like this could easily be a 10-10. Yeah, I, I normally would be worried about the density of creatures, but given the density of counterspells, uh, plus... You know, adding those those few token makers, I think you're going to be relatively okay. Now, I mentioned that we have uh, 19 sorceries and 44 instants. Uh, this naturally leads to us having very few lands. We're only running 28 lands, and um, this deck is actually employing something that uh, is dubbed the Xerox theory or strategy. Chev, would you kind of explain that because it, it applies to this deck better than any other deck that I've seen? Yeah, the the Xerox idea um, is something that like you can have roughly uh, 4x 1 to 2 mana cantrips to replace two given lands with the idea that you know you have so many things of low mana value as long as you have 1 to 2 lands in your opening hand you can get through your deck fast enough churning through it with those draw spells to get the lands you need anyway so this is like <laughs> it's a very not necessarily high risk but it feels that way like a high risk high reward type of scenario but since we want all these spells in the graveyard anyway, it is a perfect combination of, you know, churning through our deck because we really just want to pitch these spells, get them out of here, so then we can draw into our lands and then play our, our Sailor's Bane. Because given Sailor's Bane only will cost two mana when we go to play them, um, lands are not something we need in abundance. Once we have our threat on the field, we maybe need a couple lands up for a um, protection spell or something. But the amount of mana we need once this deck gets going is minimal that's a huge thing uh i we should only be paying two blue another reason why we're kind of comfortable running so few creatures uh my my cryptic serpent list was running um about twice as many creatures as this uh just for for utility and also edict uh edict fodder but uh since sailor's bane is going to be costing so cheap every time and also we have so much counter magic to counter any sort of e edicts um we really can go low on creatures and low on lands like you're saying with that xerox theory I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty of every single uh, cute thing that we're doing. A lot of these, you can kind of see the synergy on top. Either they're protecting, they're countering, uh, they're doing some removal for us just so we can get through. And a lot of them have incidental synergy in the fact that they're um, potentially looting or milling cards off the top. Uh, there's just one more very cool card that I want to talk about before we get into a little bit of shenanigans. And that is Foresight. Uh, this is a card that I have never heard of before. It's one in a blue for a sorcery. Search your library for any three cards and remove them from the game. Shuffle your library and then draw a card at the beginning of the next turn's upkeep. This does adhere to Xerox theory. This is technically a two mana cantrip. Mm -hmm. um, but the fact that this will go to the graveyard and then we can remove three instants or sorceries from our deck yeah. to immediately have four mana off of our Sailor's Bane is crazy. And if we draw into this later in the game, we can exile lands or other things that we just don't want to hit or draw into and still have another card in our graveyard uh, for everything. So that's some some really cool uh, tech, frankly. It's a very it's it's going even further into deck thinning, you know, like when you're playing Modern Legacy. Oh, I got fetch land so I can thin my deck, right? It's like, well, we're, we're really deck thinning now. We're, you know, and, and getting a, a mana boost. All right, Chev, are you ready for some shenanigans? I, I think I'm ready for some shenanigans. I periodically check this list just to see if there's been any updates and I hadn't checked since Unfinity. <laughs> and um 
you might remember that there's a card called Command Performance, one in a blue. We talked about it in our Unfinity review. That's a sorcery. Uh, choose two, open an attraction, roll to visit your attractions, get two tickets, and you may put a sticker on a non-land permanent you own. We're, we're concerned about those last two. Getting two tickets and then putting a sticker on a non-land permanent we own. Um, there are 10 sticker sheets that we've included with here. We only have two tickets. That's the only way to generate them in this list. So we're mainly looking, we're, we're always going to be yeah. looking at the two ticket ability text that comes on these. Uh, and I didn't realize just how busted some of these are specifically on Sailor's Bane, Chev. I'm just going to, I'm just going to read you a couple of these, uh, for, for two tickets, by the way, we're never going to use the stat ones because we're already a, we're already a seven, seven. We right. Don't, we, we don't need, need we don't need sort any of help stats. there. Here's one, uh, two tickets. You can get double prowess. <laughs> two tickets. Whenever this creature attacks, untap target permanent. So pseudo vigilance. Two tickets. Uh, two generic. This creature gets plus two plus zero until end of turn. Lifelink. Menace. One mana. This creature gets plus one minus one until end of turn. Vigilance. Double exalted. <laughs> whenever this creature, whenever this creature attacks, put a one one counter on it. And finally, one generic target creature can't block this creature this turn. Uh, I did not realize how busted these are on specifically Sailor's Bane. Yes. Yeah. And so you have to really give some amount of credit to Papa Popper, who understands that when we're playing CPDH, we're trying to be as competitive as possible. And so we have to do things that we might not like to do. Hence, why command performance is tagged as this fucking nonsense. Understanding that... For the two mana, giving Sailor's Bane menace. And of course, with stickers, when that creature gets removed, the sticker doesn't leave until the end of game. So it goes to the command zone, but it still has menace. It still has double exalted. It still has whatever you manage to put on it. So it is such a powerful ability, specifically for this Voltron deck. And there's there's a, a, a salute <laughs> or something in solidarity with Papa Popper for understanding this is necessary to make this deck as good as it can be. But damn, does it suck to have to play Sailor's Bay in and say, I'm going to whip out Wild Ogre Bupkiss to give my creature uh, an extra 1-1 counter. I'm just mad because I'm, I'm, I'm really considering making this deck in paper. And I just, I don't know if I have, have it in me to, to, to put sticker sheets in my card Kingdom Order cart. You don't want a cursed fire-breathing yogurt? I definitely don't want any wrinkly monkey shenanigans, I can tell you that much. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, uh, in a in a deck that just goes through so much of his deck and um, has such a powerful command. I mean, the commander is the entire deck, really. Being able to add these crazy these crazy abilities on top uh, that do enable that two turn uh, or even one turn for some of these um, kill is uh, you you have to respect it. Yeah. Unfortunately, I hate that I'm saying this about unfricking finity, but it is what it is. Chev, is there anything else you wanted to uh, mention about Sailor's Bane? I know I kind of kind of gushed for a little. Yeah, bit. no, I, I I mean I think I think you hit all the nails on the head. This is a pretty straightforward deck. Uh, the commander tells you exactly what you're going to be doing, which is playing a controlly game. Uh, but once you hit that magical number seven, and of course it continues to go down with commander tax. Uh, that's something I I recently played a uh, Octavia commander deck, which of course is the octopus that costs eight less. Uh, if you have eight or more instants of sorceries in your graveyard. Notably, it doesn't go down more than that. Um, something like Sailor's Blade can get around commander tax if you continue to play spells, which you will. So you'll always yeah. be playing this for two. This gets around the main concerns that all of us had with Cryptic Serpent, which is 
if someone exiles your graveyard, you have to start from square one. But Sailor's Bane, of course, doesn't care. If it's an exile, we're still good to go. Uh, it's really just do whatever you want and swing with a massive turtle. Yeah, 100% correct. Couldn't have said it better myself. I think that about wraps us up here at uh, House of Commons. We've covered a whole new set. We've covered a whole new deck. We're doing things we like to do. I would say that we're doing exactly what everyone has signed up for. (laughs) (laughs) Chef, here's a little question to end it out. How excited are you to include cards uh, from Jumpstart 22 or brew around potential commanders from Jumpstart 22 on a scale of 1 to 10? How much is this set shaking it up for you? There are a couple cool options for the the greater commander universe. When it comes to PDH, I think it'll be super fun to to play with some of these and put up with some shenanigans. But at a competitive level, I have a very big wait and see mentality. I'm sure there are crazy things here that you can do. Uh, We've talked about a couple cards that might be sneaking into a few decks. But on the whole, I appreciate that this set isn't going to put our format on its head. That's fair enough. I uh, I don't think you and I have seen a set put our format on our head on its head just yet i guess the, the closest would probably be baldur's yeah. gate just with baldur's gate and backgrounds, backgrounds um would probably be the the biggest i would say but it, it is nice that every set we have a few cards that were like oh this will probably see play we have a few cards where like maybe we can make this work uh, but generally we kind of we know what's going on mm-hmm. it's nice to not have to reinvent my brain every time a, a new set comes out yeah all right i never know how to end these things so that's the house of commons and we're done and after that rude eruption, rude eruption. That, that those. <laughs> oh my god, that was a rude eruption. Some some somebody just revved their. Ford F-150 outside like nobody's business. <laughs> ah, Are we in the freaking south, south? You gotta love it. Although the art is fantastic of a colorful ladybug, in case you couldn't guess by the name. Flavor, te- flavor text is great as well. Flavor text is great as well. <laughs> that it is, Julian. <laughs> what? <laughs> Thanks for that. All right, Chad. <laughs>